lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy This is Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast from the Infinite Guest Network. I'm John Moe, host of Wits, here with the host of the Secret Skin podcast, Open Mike Eagle. Hello, Mike. Hi, John. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Jessica DeChico. She is the voice of Flame Princess on Adventure Time. I, I spoke to Penn because I just wanted to like get his insight, like Penn Ward, his yeah. insight into the character, and he said that it was they wanted it to. It was like it was like fire personified. What would fire be like if fire was a person? A very popular princess. We found out after Mike and I left her name off of our top five princess list. <laughs> oh, we caught heat. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I felt the puns and I felt the heat, but it was mostly directed towards you. And um, <laughs> I know why was it directed <laughs> towards me? <laughs> I don't know. People, I don't know. People think you're the guy to go to to complain for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. It's because I you, encourage it. It's because <laughs> you have rap cred. If I had rap cred, then uh, you know nobody would mess with me. That's right. Hey, you know what I think we need to do is is we need to talk about. Uh, the other shows that we host, so there people are know other shows, John. Apparently, so. Oh my God! Uh, tell us about what Secret Skin is. Uh, Secret Skin is a podcast where I talk to mostly uh, rappers and some comics and just whoever's kind of around about, um, you know, a lot of times about their creative processes, about their careers, about their troubles, about their anxieties, and uh, just try to get behind their public persona and get at. The uh, the mess that's underneath. All right. Uh, and that's on the Infinite Guest Network. Also, mm-hmm. on Infinite Guest, you can find Wits, which is a show that I host, which Mike has appeared on several times. It's the best show ever. And that, thank you. Uh, it has uh, top-name comedians and musicians from all over the country. And for the most part, we bring them to St. Paul, and we do a big stage show with sketches and interviews and songs and improv and and silliness Uh, and that can be also found at infinite guest you can search for secret skin or for wits on your favorite podcast app all right so uh what do we have to talk about today oh my gosh pity you gotta check out this super cute guy you're gonna love him i um i want to bring up a character who i am um very intrigued by and every time i find him on my screen I get happy, and Mm -hmm. um, it is Ricardio. The heart guy. Ricardio. Ricardio at your service. Ricardio the heart guy, the disembodied heart of the Ice King, who has found himself in a body and tries to use his body in the ways that that you would imagine he would want Ice King to use the body that he was in Mm -hmm. to accomplish the, uh, the heart's goals. Right. Right, and so Ricardio... Because he is apparently sentient and voiced by George Takei, he busts out of the Ice King's <laughs> body uh, to pursue uh, Princess Bubblegum. Does he want to marry Princess Bubblegum? I, I forget what his exact motivation is. Oh, no, it's much more specific than that. Uh, what he <laughs> wants to do is to remove Princess Bubblegum's heart. Now I'm going to cut out Princess Bubblegum's heart and make out with it. He has no use for the rest of her body at all. Maybe... He assumes that her heart is sentient as well. Or maybe he knows it's sentient and it just can't speak like he can. 
but those are his aims. He wants the heart. Here's what I wonder about Ricardio is does the the Ice King apparently doesn't need his own heart to go on living. His heart can can escape his body, get captured, get stuck back in his body. But uh, but Ice King is going the whole time. The, the crown's a powerful thing, man. I think the <laughs> crown provides a lot of different life, uh, terrible life energies that, that the host body can subsist on. Well, what is it about Ricardio that makes you love him so much? Besides being from the Ice well, King, which I, is your favorite character on the show. Of course, of course. So I am partial uh, yes. in that sense. And like we said before, I'm also partial to characters that are made out of other characters in general. But um, right. I like how he tries to go about um, using his body. Like, it's, it's an interesting concept of what your heart would do if your heart could control your body completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he... Uh, realizing that just trying to be impressive to Princess Bubblegum wasn't working. Right. He um, he attempts to gather enough biomass to build himself an actual impressive body. He figures that that must be the problem. Yeah. That oh, he doesn't yeah, he, have limbs. He crafts <laughs> so, some rudimentary limbs for himself. I made myself this body for you, Princess. Synthesized from Ice King's living tissue. Right, these big muscly and and I love the way he says sinewy. Sinewy. <laughs> now marvel at these powerful, articulate limbs. Stop. Attached with supple and delicate sinews. It all gets at the concept of a disembodied heart mm. and the characteristics that that takes on because. In Ice King's case, it seems that his heart absent of his body is more evil than the rest of him and has a different personality. And it's interesting that as, you know, the creators of Adventure Time, that they would make the decision to have his heart have a personality which is so wildly different from his from his normal person. And it just led me to wonder, like, if my heart was absent of me or it was apart from me and it was different, like, how would it be different? How would it be different? I think that I think if my heart was disembodied, my heart would just be uh, a guy, and I, and I'm assuming this is a you know a heart with a body that's able to sentient and also able yes. to walk around and have its own free will. <laughs> but it would just be attempting to laugh all the time, like constantly, like oh. never, ever, ever stop laughing. It'd be doubled over, guffawing at <laughs> all sorts of inappropriate funerals. Um, uh-huh. The DMV, it would just be laughing. <laughs> constantly and it would get on everyone's nerves what would it be laughing at everything it would be attempting to find humor in everything oh god that's awful and <laughs> yeah and then once it found even the smallest nugget it would double over laughing <laughs> which is which be, is not the same as feeling joy in your heart i mean just just as no. with with ricardio like it may be the heart but it, it's not really a, all about love. Here's another thing I love about Ricardio as I think about it, as, as you talk about uh, Ricardio just being fed up about trying to get what he wants while living inside the Ice King, is that he just skips collaboration entirely. Like he, or he's, <laughs> he just gets fed up with it. He is done working with all the other organs, the brain, the stomach, the skin, all these other things to try to get what he wants. Um, and so he just, he just busts out. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I know that like in your, 
in your career. And we should point out, Mike is is not best known for hosting a podcast about cartoons. Nope. You're, well, you're, now I am. Thanks. Now, now you are. Now <laughs> I know. Uh, but you've in your in your musical career, you've worked with other people and you've done stuff solo. Like so, sometimes mm-hmm. you've been. Uh, part of the larger Ice King body, and then sometimes right. you're Ricardio. I'm usually the, I prefer to be the evil heart. I actually yeah. don't like collaborating either. So maybe that's why I'm attracted to him. Maybe it's a subconscious thing. You know? Why don't you like collaborating? Because I don't like talking to people about stuff before I do it. I don't yeah. want anyone to have to agree with me. And I feel like a lot of my ideas are best just executed and not described beforehand. I feel right. like I'm bad at that part. I, it's, it's best that I just do it. Do you do? Have you thought about what your disembodied heart might be like? Oh man, I, I, I think it would be a very sort of nervous, skittish person um, because it, it would be very exposed to the world. And uh, normally, I like to control the means by which I am exposed to the world. Like, you know, I can be on stage at a theater for for Wits, the show I host. I can be on stage in front of a thousand people and my heart rate is is at a resting beat. I'm completely Mm. at ease. But put me in a cocktail party where I don't know people and I'm I'm screaming on the inside. I'm completely out of sorts. I don't know what to do. So a heart, it seems to me, devoid of the context of the body and it set out to accomplish its own goals uh would be very nervous i i think i think my external heart my ricardio would just be trying to claw its way back inside my chest (laughs) see i know a thing or two about building a body out of biomass and you don't leave your heart exposed let's move on i got a suggestion on twitter and uh carl lundgren who I believe to be Minnesotan based on his name, Carl Lundgren. Uh, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> He's from Switzerland or Minnesota. Uh, he wanted to hear about Finn's swords and what mm. his swords might mean. And so, you know, I did a, a, a dive on this on, uh, if you ever go to adventuretime.wikia.com, it's an incredible resource I found for. It would be much easier to tell you when I'm not there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's the history of Finn's swords, at least major swords uh, used in more than one episode and not used as decoration. So it begins with the Golden Sword of Battle, which is a dented, chipped, old, kind of clunky sword that begins to fall apart. Uh, in the Mystery Train episode, Finn gets the Root Sword, which is uh, just a in lowercase on this website, it's a non-canonical name. It's just what's referred to in, in the community. Um, and it looks like it's, it's hilt is made of some sort of tree root. Uh, that gets replaced by the demon blood sword. And this was a sword first obtained by Joshua, uh, who is Finn and Jake's dad. Um, and it's infused with demon blood, which makes it very powerful, Later on, demons appear to try to reclaim it. Uh, there are battles. There is deception with a, a fake demon blood sword made out of frozen grape juice. Uh, it's very complicated. That sword is sweet. Yeah. I'm stoked to slay some evil with it. I think when <laughs> I really started to pay attention to the swords as things, as, as symbols possibly or, or significant items, 
was the emergence of the grass sword. Swords like this don't come around every day. Don't come around every day, huh? I love it. And this is where Finn and Jake go to buy Finn a sword. Finn finds that he can't really get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's very effective. It chops things into the shape of Finn's face uh, almost without Finn exerting any effort to make that happen. And ultimately, it's fused onto his arm. And the grass sword will be part of you for all eternity. (laughs) You know what? I think I'm cool with that. It's something of a curse, but when he accepts it and accepts that there is power in it and possibility in it, then uh, then he is able to control the, the grass sword. Finally, there is the Finn sword, which Finn obtains <laughs> right around the time Adventure Time gets really, really meta and weird and oh, psychological yes. oh, in yes. the Is That You episode. And the Finn sword is a representation of Finn himself. And I know, Mike, that that you're really up on describing the Finn sword and how Finn came to obtain it. Can you do that? I'll try. I'll try. It does okay. get very confusing. Um, so this was the work of Prismo, everyone's favorite uh, interdimensional uh, yep. observational being. Prismo is nothing but the dream of a wrinkly old man. He died when the... Uh, the old man whose whose dream he is. Oh, that's a horrible uh-huh. sentence. Uh, when somebody wakes that guy up, Prismo dies. Yes. But before this happened, Prismo concocted a scheme by which he might be reborn. Um, there was, and somehow he taught Jake this this uh, this pickle ritual, mm-hmm. um, where Finn and Jake uh, they say some incantation and they attempt to dream about this pickle jar. And when they do fall asleep, uh, Jake at first is transported to inside the pickle jar. As this happens, he starts to relive his own memories constantly. So um, they show him rehabbing conversations that he's had throughout the history of the show. And then whenever Finn interrupts one of these memories, Jake, he gets uh, his body becomes fluid it grows and then it explodes. I saw you explode. Something messed up his haps, brah. He bursts. <laughs> he burst into dust about five or six times before um, Finn can figure out that part of what's happened is that um, Jake's in this pickle realm, which is which is some part of the inter time dimensional thing that Prismo lives in. Stay with it. You can do it, Mike. You can do it. I can. I can. And he's reliving (laughs) these memories. And so the scheme is that um, these different memory incantations of Jake, there's actually becoming more than one of him in this time realm. Every time uh, he cycles through one of these memories, another Jake is created. And Prismo's scheme is to get Jake to take one of these memory Jakes to take the place of the old man who was having the dream that became Prismo. So Jake gets into the bed. It's the most comfortable bed ever. I guess the thread count of the sheets is in the thousands. He said it was like like I'm getting Eskimo Eskimo kisses from an army of angels. And um, (laughs) so Jake sleeps and then. Once Finn realizes that Jake is asleep in his bed, Finn wakes him. Now Finn starts to have memories inside of this p- 
portal as well and it starts to become multiple fins so prismo explains to finn that finn has to stop himself from waking jake up he has to stop his copy from waking up jake's copy in the bed so that he can dream long enough to recreate prismo and how prismo mm. is able to explain this and he's dead i do not know but finn stops his copy from waking up jake when finn confronts his copy and instead of finn becoming fluid and growing and exploding finn grew and exploded but he changed into the finn sword and fell into our finn's hands and prismo says finn sword and then that's it this is me this sword is me finn sword dude <laughs> so the Finn sword, which he then goes on to use in later episodes, and it seems to provide him some some counsel and wisdom beyond mm. being simply a weapon, uh, is a sword version of his former self. Right. Okay. And he's apparently his, like, I think the soul of that other Finn is inside of the sword. Oh, okay. So it is, yeah. So it is another... It is another fin inside mm -hmm. the sword. So we have this evolution from from a dirty uh, dented piece of tin <laughs> on through uh, trees and then demon blood and then grass and then onto onto self. I mean, I, I guess it could be a uh, an evolution. A, a maturation, a, a growing up. I mean, if we if we take a lot of adventure time to be a story of maturation of of Finn growing from a boy to a man, uh, nah, that still doesn't quite, quite work. <laughs> that was good though. I was, I was with you. I was with you. I was, I was there for a while. I, was with you, but I mean, I, was. I guess I I think what tripped me up is the demon blood. You know, you, uh, you rise guess. you rise from something all. crude. I mean, well, I guess I guess you go through uh, periods of. I mean, I think we all did things in our teens that were maybe outside uh, the strict letter of the law, perhaps, or, or outright demonic. Who knows? Who can judge? <laughs> yeah, when I think about junior high school, demonic <laughs> certainly comes to mind. Um, so, so maybe it's maybe it's all part of that. What I thought about too when I when I started reading about the swords is that concurrent with the evolution of the swords there's been an evolution of the right arm that would right. wield the sword um because there was a lot of or a lot of episodes early on in the show uh or sort of the mid period of the show would be like an alternate universe where finn is missing an arm or something else where there's an an, an arm has been replaced by a mechanical arm right um, yes true that's true. And it was it just seemed like prophecy that eventually he would he would lose that arm and sure enough uh trying to hold on to his negligent father in the escape from the citadel episode his arm does get ripped off uh replaced with a, a variety of of different uh things including a daisy and uh some large heavy objects uh, a ghost arm and ultimately just a new arm that shows up um, un relatively unexplained. I got to tell you that uh, when that flower was growing out of his arm, I don't know why that skeeved me out the way it did before <laughs> that bugged me. I don't know why. why and did I'm it sitting bug here you? Th thinking about it now. It's like maybe 
I, I just I get nervous that somebody's going to pull it. And then what does it lead to? Or does that mean that his <laughs> arm is full of dirt? Like, how does that even happen? Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the something about the the um, the biology of that. It really it tweaks me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> It's fine. You can put up with a lot, but but a daisy growing out of an arm nub. I think I think I'm constantly just you know imagining that it was me, and if yeah. I had a flower growing out of my arm, this that itself wouldn't necessarily bother me. But I would be very concerned what would happen if somebody yanked on it. You know, like well, it it it's it's a daisy. It's a very dainty flower, and right. and it has those little petals. And for a for an adventuresome hero uh, engaged in battle and going out in the world, it did seem perilous. Yeah, you know it's, it's good though. It's like it's like he deserves that because he's been a, a a preteen into teenager running around wielding sharp objects at people for quite some time now. <laughs> and true. if I was a citizen of ooh uh, candy or otherwise, I'd be very concerned with that. Like, why is this young boy? running around cutting things with a rusty blade and then ultimately yeah. a demon sword and all these these other things i don't know i, I feel like there's a public safety issue there that, that no one uh no one speaks on i put that more on the candy citizens and all the other citizens of ooh rather than than finn because i mean you you have a boy you know this they if you give them a toy sword they will start just hacking anything they absolutely. can find absolutely Absolutely. If you don't give them a toy sword, they will turn absolutely anything <laughs> into a sword. Also true. It was interesting to see the Blade of Grass make a return uh, to slay the Orgalorg in the season finale of season six in the most mm. recent episode. That it wasn't the Finn sword that hacks him to bits. It's the return of the grass sword. Right. Right. So I guess he he always at. I guess from this point forward, he has two swords now. He has a fin sword and he has a sword inside of his body as the grass sword as well. I'm going to blow your mind now because I just said he yeah. has two swords. Peep this out, though. He's got All right. the grass blade inside of him. He's yep. got a fin sword. But yep. there's a fin inside the fin sword with a grass blade inside what? of him. What? Boom. I love this sword. Boom. Jessica DeChico is the voice of Flame Princess on Adventure Time. You can also hear her on other animated series like Pound Puppies and Gravity Falls. She was nominated for an Emmy for her work on Disney's The Emperor's New School. She's also been in live-action films, including The Godfather Part 3, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. I asked Jessica what her audition for Flame Princess was like. It was a different type of audition. Like it, Usually they give... A, a character design, you, you know, you see the the character, you get, like, a, a blurb about her, about the show, and you get, like, a bunch of lines. Mm -hmm. This one just came in, it was, I feel like it was just typed out, it, it was just, like, a, in the body of the, of the email. Uh -huh. So I didn't really have much to go off of, but I YouTubed it, like, crazy, and I watched as much Adventure Time as I could. And, um, and so I, I started to understand the tone so I, I started to build the character that way. I also auditioned for Princess Bubblegum before. Really? Before, like way back in yeah. the beginning? I mean, you know, it's 
in the animation world, everybody auditions for everything. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I've heard. I, I, um, I've known uh, Bill Salyers, the actor William Salyers from Regular oh, yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah, I know him, yeah. Yeah, I've known Bill forever, and I, I was having lunch with him a couple months ago when I was in L.A., and he said, he said, yeah, I've got a, like a studio set up in my house, and then I just sit there and I do just dozens of auditions, just every day, this huge mm-hmm. pile of auditions. Is that what, what you do as well? Yeah, I mean, that's part of being a voice actor is, you know, it's it's freelance, essentially, so you have to, you know, stay on top of it in order to keep working and to, like, keep, you know, opportunities. Like, I mean, you know, if you have a good agent and you have, you get new opportunities every day, but yeah, you have to stay on top of it. Even when I travel, I have to bring, I cannot be without a travel mic. Wow. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've read for auditions, like, last-minute auditions, in like the airport, in the bathroom of the airport. <laughs> now, is it true that when you came to LA, you weren't setting out to be an actor, you were setting out to be a, a director and a writer, right? Yeah, I wanted to be a um, a director and a producer. Like that, that's what I, I went to school for. Uh-huh. And I was so excited to start from the bottom. I was so excited to get people coffee and like, uh-huh. <laughs> and like just work my way up and just earn it. And, um, you know, I was, I was a production assistant. I was, um, working on this, uh, this interesting show called Married by America. It was a reality show where, um, America votes and chooses who these people marry anyway. Um, (laughs) and then, you know, I, I was auditioning for voiceovers on the side and eventually like within a year I had booked like five pilots and then like three of them turned into TV shows Wow. And then I was like, okay, this is, and then I booked two more shows. It was kind of crazy. It was a lot at once, but, um, I never returned to being a production assistant <laughs> after that. <laughs> were you, were you auditioning for, or, or have you done a lot of on-camera work or has it been all voiceover? Um, I came, I come from on-camera and theater. I grew up in New York and I, even acting was like an accidental thing for me, even though my dad was an actor, um, I, you know, wasn't interested in it as a kid, but then I got picked to be in this show, um, called free to be a family. This actress, you know, Marlo Thomas came to my, the school, my elementary school and picked one kid out of my school to be on her show. Wow. And it was me. And, um, you know, I loved it so much. I had so much fun with that experience. And I asked, I was like, I begged my mom, I'm like, please, can I do this? So, you know, she was familiar with it because of my dad so, um, my dad, his name is Bobby DeChico. He was in a ton of movies and like big movies, like directed by Spielberg and Ron Howard and Zemeckis and Sam wow. Fuller. So my mom was, you know, um, aware of the business. She was savvy, business savvy. Anyway, so, so yeah. So then I started auditioning for things and I did, my first movie was Godfather Part 3 and I worked with Francis Coppola. That was awesome. And you You were acting in Godfather 3? Yeah, I have a small, yeah, I have a small part, very small part. What do you, um, what do you play in Godfather 3? I just play a little girl. I just play, I think my, the character is just like a little girl. Uh-huh. But um, it was, you know, more so the experience. Like, I got to, I was on set with, with them. Sure. Like, yeah, for a week and, you know, and I, I actually became friends with Francis. It was a pretty cool experience. Um I was just naturally interested in the process of directing. And I remember like moseying over to this like little screen 
and I would just watch the screen. And it turns out it was like Francis. It was you know Francis's like playback screen, and I was sitting. I was standing right next to him. And everybody else had backed away, and it was just me and, and Francis Coppola like <laughs> watching the monitor as this, as you know. And he took a liking to me, and he would keep, you know, he would show me the process, and he showed me everything. It was really cool. Um, I think that's probably why I was interested, wanted to become a director. How do you describe Flame Princess? Who is Flame Princess? Flame Princess is a complicated character. Um, and that's what I love about all the female characters in this show is that they're dynamic and they're real. I mean, they have like, they have layers. Um, Flame Princess was trapped in a lantern for the first uh, 15, 16 years of her life. And, um, you know, when she was freed, um, she was like promised Finn and, um, and, but it was like, obviously like a fake version of Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jake created that version. Right, it was made out of Jake's body, yes. And um, anyway, so of course she's got issues. I mean, she doesn't know how to relate to anybody, you know, and and their first interaction was definitely fiery. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she like slapped him. What's wrong with me, huh? You don't like me? I like you? What's wrong with you? Don't ever mess with me again. To see like a, a, a character like that in a, in a in a show, I just I don't know. I I I just love what they do with the female characters. Well, she's she's fiery both figuratively and and literally. She is on yeah. fire at all times. I, I spoke to Penn because I just wanted to like get his insight, like Penn Ward, his yeah. insight into the character, and he said that it was they wanted it to. It was like it was like fire personified. What would fire be like if fire was a person? Oh, uh, okay. I don't like being made fun of, Ice King. I don't like it at all. But, I mean, of course, like the character has evolved since the first time they met, and you know now she has trust issues because you know she doesn't trust her dad. So she rules her kingdom based on honesty. Like that's the most important thing to her. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see how the character evolved because. It was also a different um, voice director when I first started the show. It was Colette Sunderman. Mm-hmm. And now uh, just the head writer, Kent, is the one who directs. He knows exactly what he wants. You know, he's a part of the process from, you know, from the very beginning of each storyboard. So he is in the room with everybody who's, you know, working on the show. So he knows he just has this ability to just direct you in the, in just the right way. And it's just, it's so nice. I'm just like completely on the same page as him. I know exactly what he means, you know, when he gives a tiny little direction, mm-hmm. he likes that very, um, unpolished sound. And, and that's, I like that too. Does he give you line readings? Does he say, you know, hit, hit this word and, and say it in, in this tone or like how specific does he get? He does not usually give line readings. Um, yeah. He just sets up the scene. Yeah, and you know he'll just he'll just he'll usually say like you know make less of it or or something that'll be like a direction. Uh huh. Just um, simplify. But I love that. It's just like you know throw it away. Right. It's just it just and, and I I love like the scenes like there was this one scene during Dungeon Crawl where Finn and FP were like having a whole conversation, but it was whispered. Right. 
that I love doing stuff like that. It was just so real. Before we go in, how good are you at quietly throwing a tiny bit of fire? Oh, what? Like on a scale of one to a hundred, how good are you at quietly throwing a tiny bit of fire at a rope 50 feet away? Uh, scale of one to a hundred. 42. 42? Well, I don't know. I never rated myself. I love that she can, that she has moods and that she, you know, I mean, it's, no, there's no apologies for like if she if she's like in a bad mood and she's just like, <laughs> you know, mad at somebody. I think that's cool, and she can just go full force mm-hmm. because she's flame princess. You know, she's fire personified. So I like that. Is that rare in uh, animation work to find somebody who has that emotional range that isn't just kind of functional to the story? You know, Adventure Time is so real that it, it doesn't, like, she, what's interesting about it is that she has the range of emotions, but it's not cartoony. It's, like, grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what I absolutely love. Like, I prefer to do realistic shows and, like, you know, shows with, like, a, and characters, like, with a realistic tone. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta say, I always feel so bad for Flame Princess. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm supposed to, but especially, I mean, if she's up in the, in the above ground world, she's on fire, which makes it so hard to relate or even touch or interact with anybody. And then down below, all her subjects are used to being governed by evil, and yeah. a lot of them are idiots. It just seems like she's just in this series of untenable positions where even if she thinks that things are going to be okay, you just get the feeling that, that they're not. Yeah, isn't that so, it, that's so, like, dark, I think, for a character. Um, I do, yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for her, too. I mean, <laughs> you know, and now that she's, like, strapped with this, with this ruling this kingdom, it's almost like she, she really never got to have a childhood and go on adventures and run, you know, run around and be free and be crazy, kind of like what Finn gets to do. Right. So I, I also think that that's especially tragic because we see other characters able to do that and have fun. And she's just saddled with all this responsibility. Yeah. After, after living inside a lamp for her entire childhood. Yeah, it's pretty awful. I read where you uh, you were quoted as as saying that you're hoping that Flame Princess and Finn get back together that they that they reconcile. You know, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I just want them to revisit because I think you know they're both teens and going through like a difficult challenging part of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that they had a true connection. And I just think that it would be nice to see them revisit um, the relationship and at least just talk about it and what happened. And I, you know, like, I think Finn should be held accountable for kind of acting like a jerk right. and he should own up to it. And um, yeah, it'd be nice. To, I, I'd be curious to see, what happens when Finn and Flame Princess, like, if they get a chance to get together again. To at least reconnect in some way. I loved it. I really did like their love story. I, I, I just thought it was very pure. I liked it a lot. Jessica DeChico, Flame Princess from Adventure Time, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. 
Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, which is a production of the Infinite Guest Network in American Public Media. It's hosted by me, John Moe, and also Open Mike Eagle. Uh, there at Infinite Guest, you can check out Mike's podcast, Secret Skin, as well as my show, Wits. The Adventure Time end credits song that you've heard here on Conversation Parade was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. Thanks to Larissa Anderson, Steve Nelson, and Peter Clowney for helping make this podcast happen. Special thanks, too, to Cartoon Network. We'd love to hear from you, what you want to hear on the show, what you'd like to hear us talk about. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at John Moe. He's at Mike underscore Eagle. And we're all at Infinite Guest. Thanks.